Welcome to Conversations About Aging, a Catching Health podcast. I'm Diane Atwood, and I'm traveling throughout my home state of Maine, talking to people 60 and above about what it's like to be getting older. Today's conversation is with Loring Newcomb, who's in his 90s. His friends and family call him Bob. Bob has lots of friends, especially lady friends, which he says suits him just fine. He's got plenty of family around, too, including a sister who just turned 100, four children, 13 grandchildren, 15 great-grandchildren, and one great-great-grandchild. Bob's daughter Lee and I go way back, and she recommended him for an interview because she says he's like the Energizer Bunny, puts her to shame. In fact, until a few months ago, Bob was still doing volunteer work for the American Legion. Lee joined us for our conversation, occasionally adding a word or two, but mostly learning a few things about her dad that she didn't know. We all sat in Bob's living room in his quite comfortable apartment in a senior community in southern Maine. So this is a place where a lot of people who are about your age live? You have to be over 50 to live here. You're slightly over 50? I'm slightly over 50. How old are you now? 94. Wow. So you've got some good genes. I must have. Have other people in your family lived as long as you have? I have a sister in the uh, in, a, in a nursing home right now who is, she'll be 100 in uh, December. No kidding. A hundred years old. Is that? Do you have a goal to get to be a hundred? No, no, I have no goal. I day by day. As long as I have my faculties, I uh, I live for two hundred. But uh, two hundred, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you lived in in a place like this for the last several years and? Oh, only the last, what, two years, two and a half. Before that, did you live in your own home? No, I was living with the wife of a friend of mine who died. We uh, were uh, friends, the four of us. And uh, her husband died, and my wife died. So we decided to spend time together. So we spent ten years together. It was kind of a love-hate thing. <laughs> but still, companionship is important, isn't oh, yes. it? Oh, it's very, very important, yeah. Is that why you decided, the two of you, that you would be together, you would live well, together? We, we knew that she would kind of have a hard time for a few years, so we decided much will, you know, share the world together. And... Did it work out all right, do you think? Oh, yeah, it did, yeah, for a while. Ten years. And then did she pass away, or did you break up? We broke up, yeah. And then you're on your own again. Yeah. What's it like to be in your 90s and to be on your own? I know you have family, but to live alone? Uh, I'm not crazy about it. Dull. (laughs) I don't, uh, you know, don't do much. But the people who live here are uh, great people. Everybody looks after each other, you know. Anybody needs anything, it's it's you've got it right here with somebody. And it, it is very nice here. 
but you have your own apartment. Do you have any shared spaces? Do you do a lot of things with the other people? We have a room upstairs on the, on the second floor that uh, we all get together. Yeah. And we also, if the weather is good, there's a bunch of us set up on the uh, outside deck and just tell stories. And uh, that's fun. That's good. You know, the reason that I started doing these interviews is because I went to a conference about um, aging, and they talked a lot about how many older people suffer from loneliness and isolation. And I just thought about, I could visualize, you know, like somebody like yourself. You have a lovely apartment and you have friends. Yeah. But are you lonely? Yes. I, I, I miss a female companion. Any good candidates here? They could be. I, I, the way the setup is here, I, I think it would be dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, pit one woman against the yeah, other? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where were you born? North Anson, Maine. North Anson? Mm-hmm. Where's that? Oh, it's up around Fairfield, in that area. And did you come from a large family? Uh, we, there were five in our family, three, three boys and two girls. Where were you in the mix? I was a baby. So you were spoiled rotten? Uh, no. I was uh, very sick when I was four, seven, and ten. Four, seven, ten, and thirteen. I had rheumatic fever. Oh dear. And the first time I had it, I was in bed for twenty-six weeks. My goodness. Uh, but when I was 13, the doctor decided to take my tonsils out. And the tonsils were all embedded. So, so after that, I never had it again. So you had all those bouts of sickness because of you, your tonsils? Yeah. Wow. And after that, for the rest of your life, have you been pretty healthy? Yeah, yeah. yeah I was, you know, I was in the service, I was in the Navy. My wife was in the, in the Navy. Is that how, did you meet your wife in the Navy? Uh, she was in the Navy. I, was, I had just gotten out, and she was working for the Naval Intelligence in Portland. And I was working at the post office, and she would come to the post office to pick up the mail for, for the, uh, you know, for the Navy. And that's how we met. You started flirting, huh? I think you are a little flirtatious. Not me. (laughs) (laughs) Your childhood, would you consider it a happy childhood? We uh, grew up during the Depression, and it uh, it was different. So much different than they are today. The world is terrible today. Half the world is against the other half. I think half of them are intent on killing off the other half. It's uh, not good. I don't. I don't like it. it worries you? It worries uh, me for the grandkids. Not for me. Yeah, I feel the same way when I look at the way things are going for the planet and for the human race. I think the same thing. I worry what's it going to be like for my grandchildren who are little toddlers now. When you were a child growing up in the Depression, did your family do without? 
Uh, well, we did with that with a lot of things that kids have today. Yeah, I mean there was us three boys, and we had uh, one bicycle, you know, between us. <clears throat> and I used to wear clothing and shoes from the rich kids. And hand-me-downs from yeah, your brothers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. When did you get your first job? I was 16. What did you I, do? I worked in uh, an automotive store, Marl's Automotive Store in Portland. Is that still around? I feel like no, a... No. okay. I don't know if you remember where the old state drugstore, mm -hmm. right across the street from the state drugstore. The Greyhound bus was on the corner, and my old right next to them. So I must have gone past it, because when I was in high school, we lived up on um, near Pine Street. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so I'd have to walk down Congress Street to get to Portland High School. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I, yeah, I'm sure I passed it. I went to Portland High for a while. What, what year were you there? Um, well, let's see. I quit my senior, uh, senior year and went in the service. What year would you have graduated? Uh, Forty-two. And you would have graduated with my aunt Jackie. So my mom graduated in forty-four. Oh yeah. And her sister graduated in forty-two. You probably passed my mother and my aunt in the hallways of Portland did. High School. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. So you went into the Navy when you were a senior. You quit school. Mm -hmm. And you went into the Navy. Was that a decision that had to be made? Is it a decision that no. you regretted? or? Oh, no. No. In fact, I had joined the uh, Navy to make it a career. But after I spent a couple of years over in the South Pacific, and I developed uh, stomach ulcers. And I wanted to stay in, but they said, no, you have to go. And they kicked me out. Did you further your education when you were in the Navy, or because you were in the Navy, were you able to get a college, to do, I mean, a high school degree after? I, I went, to, went back to high school in 1972 and did my senior year. Yeah. That's a long time, though. Yeah. By then you were married, you had kids? Yeah. And was your degree called a GED? No, I got my diploma. What made you decide to go back and get your high school diploma when you're a married man with kids in your 40s? That year, in, in 1972, they started having postmasters from within the mail service. And uh, I was the second one. I became the postmaster at Limerick. And you needed a high school diploma and, in order to... Yeah, yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Were you working for the post office as a mail carrier or anything like that beforehand? I clerked in the post office for five years. Then I carried mail for five years. Then I went into the post office garage. I was there 15 years. And I was a mechanic in charge when I left there to go to be postmaster at Limerick. So that was 1972. That's pretty cool. You worked your way up. Yeah. You saw that you could go further, and the post office people saw that you could go further. Yeah. That must have felt really, really good. It did. 
And Limerick, so that means that you, did you all move to Limerick, or did you live in Portland or South Portland? No, at the time, we lived in South Portland, and we stole that house and, and had a house built in uh, East Waterboro. So after all those years of doing other kinds of work in the post office, what did it feel like to suddenly be a postmaster, to be in charge of everything? Mm, pretty good. And how long were you their postmaster? Six years. And then what happened? Then I had a couple of MIs, so I retired. Well, you weren't very old then, were you? No, I was in the 50s, 50, 54, I think, five, somewhere around there. So by MI, we're talking heart attack. Mm -hmm. You had a couple of heart attacks. Were you a large man then? No, never. Family history? No, no. What do they think caused your heart attacks? I don't know. Well, I, I guess when I was born, I did have a, a bad valve mm -hmm. in the heart from the rheumatic fever. Okay. So that's probably stemmed from there. All right. Um, you met your wife when you were working in the post office Yep. Back in the 60s, I guess it would have been. 50s or 60s? 40s. Yeah. In the 40s? 40s. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm thinking yeah. we graduated from high school in the 60s. Yeah. yeah. She was born in the 40s. Okay. You met your wife back in the 40s. You're working in the post office. She's in the Navy. You got married. How many kids did you have? Four. And how long has your wife been gone? 99. That must have been hard for you? Yeah. So you were married for how many years before she passed? 54 years. And what What, what did she die of? She, uh, uh, Shirley never, she never did anything. And I, I kind of blamed it on me because uh, I married young. How young were you? I was... Uh, Nineteen. It's what what they did back then, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. But it uh, we when we got married, we had you know the kids. But I hadn't I hadn't spent any time as, as a young man. Right. But I made up for it, and and I I believe I honestly believe that. Uh, I probably helped her along. If you could go back in time and change anything. Oh, yeah. Tell me what it would be. Oh, that, that mostly, how I spent my time with her. How would you change it? Oh, I just include her in, in a lot more of my life than I did. I used to hunt fish, play golf, while she was sitting home doing nothing. And this is while the kids were growing up? Yeah, yeah. How would you rate yourself as a dad? Not great. I think because of the way that I grew up, I, I, I said if I ever have kids, they're not going to put up with what I put up with. So, and, and I went too far. What do you mean by that? Because so many people will say that, I am not going to be like my dad was or my mother was. Yeah. 
So what was different for you? Uh, my father was a tyrant. He, he was a good man. Don't, don't, he uh, worked his butt off, and he had to during the Depression. He worked probably 20 out of the 24, and uh, I think that's set the pace a little bit. So you didn't want to be a tyrant? No, no. So what, are you saying then I that you... went the other way too far. You just let the kids do whatever they yeah, wanted yeah. to? And left your wife in charge? Uh, more or less. In, in a lot of cases, yes. Yeah. So once the kids all left the house, and it was just you and your wife, did that ever happen, or did she pass away before all the kids left the house? No, we lived without kids for a while. Did it get any better, or was the pattern set? Well, she had a stroke herself, oh. and uh, she was paralyzed, couldn't talk. And it was about 20 years. She was 58 when she had her stroke, and yeah. Dad took care yeah. of her for the yeah. next 19 years. Wow, so you took care of her for 19 years after she had yeah. a stroke? Yeah. That takes a lot of love, patience, dedication. What motivated you to do that? Uh, guilt, probably. Did you care for her in your home? Did she always live oh, at yes. home after oh, she yeah. had the stroke? Yeah. Who took care of you? Because when you're caregiving somebody, somebody's got to take care of you, yeah. too, or you're going to go off the deep end. I went hunting and fishing and played golf. So while she had the stroke and she was home, you, d you still continued to, to yeah, do what you what want? Yeah, I could, yes, yeah. But yeah. then you still, probably the responsibility of caring for her got more and more and more. At one point in time, some of the uh, nurses, they came to the house, they'd come there every once in a while, and they finally come in one day, she said, you got to get out of this. So at that particular time, she went into the marriage center. So, on the advice of the nurses who were coming into the house, they said, you can't do this anymore. Yeah, yeah. And so she went into she the, went a nursing the, home, yes, essentially. Yeah, yeah. How long did she live there before she died? A couple of years? Well, she was there a couple of, do you remember? I, Two to three years. I used to go about every day. So I think that you, excuse me, you probably learned some valuable lessons with that whole situation that might help somebody else. Because I think that when somebody gets sick and you love them, you want to take care of them. And, and there's, I think there's guilt that must come into it because you feel like you're supposed to because yeah, they're your yeah. partner. But, and, and it's so hard to take care of yourself. And so then you have more guilt that you're even thinking about wanting to get away. Yeah, yeah. Was it like that? Kind of like a yeah, vicious, you yeah. knew you needed to get away and then you felt guilty yeah, about it? Yeah, yeah. Well, what advice would you give to a man or a woman who's in that, a similar situation? Maybe their spouses or, or partners had a stroke or has Alzheimer's or whatever. Well, I, I think it would... <clears throat> it would all depend on where they were at at the time, you know, where he was at, or where she was at, or what the conditions were is going to govern something like that. Well, let's say, like for you, it's getting more and more challenging. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
So this decision, what was it like for you to come to this decision that, yes, she needs to move into a, a nursing home? Well, I, I, I agreed with him because I was getting to a point where I, well, I, I can't exactly tell you how I felt about it, but uh, I knew it had to happen, you know. The way I started to feel. Were you exhausted? Uh, no, I don't think so. How do you? How were you? I was always doing something. Like I, I volunteered for the. Uh, I belonged to the American Legion post down in uh, Old Washington. I belonged down there for twenty-five or thirty years, and I worked down there. We we ran a beano down there, and uh, I, I did that two days a week. I would think that would be critical. It was. It was. I kind of would hate to think if I didn't do that. What uh, what it might have been like. So it's like an opportunity to recharge your batteries in yeah, a way. Yeah. 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 Give you all that mental and physical energy to go back and then take care of her and. Mm. When she went into the nursing home, you continued to go and see her all the time, um, and you continued to be able to do your own thing. And was that a big relief? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, yes, it was. I'm glad that you were able to say that, you know, because that's the thing that I think that some people don't want to acknowledge oh yeah I, I know what you mean yeah I, I can see where it would happen all right so you've now had a few decades of being kind of on your own yeah. yeah I mean you you lived with the other lady and your love-hate relationship yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what would be the perfect situation for you right now when right you now? yeah when you sit and think about yeah here's what I'd really like I I guess that's what uh, I said companionship tell me about all the things that you do like what makes it a good day for you what are some of the things you do on a good day I take the car and go shopping what'd you do this summer oh, uh, what'd you do this summer we, out of the garden out here. They they gave us some, I guess you can see them from here. Oh, I, see, I do see them. Yeah. They had garden plots for, I don't know, well, it's 36 out there. If, if you wanted to take one, you could take one, you know, plant. So what did you plant? Old tomatoes, cucumbers, corn. Where do you get your energy? I don't know. You do have energy because yeah. you get up and you do things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, what motivates you? I think just with the fact that I, I can do the things I'm doing, if I do keep going, it helps me, you know, physically. So you make choices then, because there are some people who might choose to not do anything. that I want. Oh, oh, yeah. But oh, that's yeah. not your mindset. No. I went to the gym for 14 years. Basics? Yeah. yeah. Are you still going? Yeah. I just 
started a couple of days ago. I went back and <coughs> I have a couple of pieces of equipment here that I use. Well, I saw those when I came in. Tell me about exercising because we hear that at any age we're supposed to be exercising. We should. And what does it do for you to exercise? It just it keeps my body keeps me keeps me going, you know. And have you had to change how you exercise over the last decade or so? I haven't done as much, and I can tell. How can you tell? Because I, I slow down. You know. So if you don't I, exercise, you slow down. Yeah, but if you go back to it, it does improve you? It does improve, yes. Yeah. What does it improve exactly? Physically. I mean, do you feel different somehow? What are some of the, the, the specific things that you notice about maybe your your attitude? Yeah, yeah. Uh, all yeah. those different kinds of things. I, it, the apartment, taking care of the apartment helps. I, you know, the, uh, I can tell the way I do things here. Now, I had a couple of the, up until September 1st, I think I had a couple of, of women that came a couple of times. Each one came once a week just to do things here. Do a little housework for you? Yeah. But now I do it myself. I think that's good because yeah. it, doesn't yeah. it improve yeah. your disposition too? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I get feeling quite low when, when I don't do these things, you know, because I have time to sit and think, feel sorry for myself. What do you mostly feel sorry for? Just a lonely is the biggest thing. Yep. So when you exercise, when you get up and move, not only does it help you to be stronger and motivate you to do other things, it makes you feel better about yourself. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Are other people who live here as active as you are physically? Do they go for walks with you? Things like that? They go, yeah, they go for walks. I, I have problem walking. Oh. So you can still drive okay, and you can get yourself, like, to the gym, and then they have a program that you can do at the gym? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that seems like it would be key. They, it is, it is. Why can't you walk as well as you used to? Oh, I think it's just, I have COPD. And, and I run out of breath quite quickly. Do you have to do oxygen? No, not yet. What are other things that you enjoy doing? You did the gardening. You like to be with the people here. You have fun playing one woman off, off the other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what are all the things you enjoy doing? Not much here. Not much. I watch TV. I do the computer. So maybe you need to think about moving to a different kind of a place? Have you ever thought about that, moving into a place that is a little more socially oriented? I know there are places. It's affordability is an issue, yeah, of course, yeah, isn't of it? Course, you, of course. Um, but where they have all kinds of social activities going on all the time. Yeah, is yeah. it like here, do you have to make it up yourself? Yes, yeah. There's nobody who's like, there's not an activities director. The only activity here is the, they play canasta. Do you play canasta? 
No. So do you still uh, go to the um, the Beano games? Do you still run those? Are you still no, active at no. all in any veterans groups? No, not now. It's because of my driving at night. I can't drive at night. Oh. Daytime, I can see all right. So that's, you decided that you can't drive at night? Nobody told you? I mean, the kids haven't been after you, have they? Yes, they have. Do your kids bug you about a lot of stuff? No, no. Driving. Because they're afraid, you know, they don't oh, want yeah. you to get hurt or to hurt yeah. somebody else. Oh, yeah, true. What if uh, Lee or one of the other kids came to you and said, Dad, we don't want you driving anymore? How would you handle that situation? There are times now that if I don't feel I should be driving, I don't drive. And and that's the way I would handle it. I, I as long as I have my senses about me and and, uh, and know enough to do that, I, I I think I'd be all right. I I converse with my doctor about it, and he he's will also say, "You're all right. You can drive day, but don't drive at night." You know, or so. in bad weather, or yeah, oh, in rain. I don't. Yeah, yeah. How do you want people to treat you now that you're 94? Like here, they don't treat me any different. How do you see yourself? I think that, you know, I'm all right to do these things. I, I really don't have the incentives to do those, some of those things. But, and there are some things that I can't do, of course. Is there anything that you miss? Golf. You enjoyed golf? Oh, yeah, oh, golfing, fishing. Is there any kind of work that you still do, or what you consider to be work? Well, I change the furniture all around. <laughs> so you're an interior decorator. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I like, I, do, I like to do that. You talked about some of the things you, if you could, you would, how you'd do them over, but what are some of the things you're proudest of or that you enjoyed, have enjoyed the most? Well, I think the golfing. I did well. Uh, outdoors. You loved that the most? Yeah. yeah. What, what are you proud of, some of the things that you've done in your life? I'm proud of my kids, and I'm proud of the service that I had, and the service that uh, I give to the American Legion. I also belong to the DAV and the VFW, and life members of those. DAV has a van that, that picks up other veterans and takes them to the hospital and stays wait for them and bring them home. I did that for about nine years, I guess. Tell me what DAV stands for. Disabled Veterans. And so you would take, you would drive the van and you would take them, what, up to togas or mm. to appointments mm. and things like that? You did that for a long time? Oh, nine years, I think. That's pretty cool. That was good. That was good. Like we were talking about before, you don't just sit idly by. You're a doer. I try to be. Do you have any advice that you would pass along to anybody? I mean, we're all aging. Um, the, the only really good advice I could get would be to keep your body moving. You've been listening to Conversations About Aging, a Catching Health podcast. I'm Diane Atwood, and I've been talking with Bob Newcomb, who is 94 years old and looking for companionship. If you enjoyed my conversation with Bob, please consider sharing it with a friend. You'll find more episodes on my blog, Catching Health, at catchinghealth.com. 
This podcast was made possible by Avita of Stroudwater, a memory care facility, and Stroudwater Lodge, an assisted living community, both in Westbrook, Maine. You'll find out more about them at northbridgecos.com. Many thanks to Smith Atwood Video Services for editing the podcast. See what else they have to offer at smithatwood.com. And a thank you to the Center for Excellence in Aging and Health at the University of New England for their wisdom and their support.